everyone. Good to have you here today. We have some from our truth seekers because of the illness of Mr. Dick. So I want to be sure to pray for him uh, in our prayer time. So uh, let's just put, make a note to, to do that during our prayer time, to pray for Bill Dick, Mr. Dick. And um, well, we're glad to have you guys with us today. It's interesting, um, I'm at a school every day and I get to see little ones and uh, I know there's a difference between the little ones I see every day at school and the ones that I see right here. There is a huge difference. Praise God is right. The biggest difference is I know your parents and I know that they care, I know that they love you and uh, I know that they pray for you, and I know that they set a good example in front of you. And that is a treasure. That is a true blessing. When there comes a chance to time when you have to decide for yourself that you're going to do what's right, and that you're going to follow God. You're listening to the songs that you've been taught. You're listening to the Bible lessons that, that, uh, that you're hearing. You're learning more of God's word. Um, and you're growing, but you're growing also to make that decision for yourself. I'm so glad I've been able to see you all, even at your age, some of you are very young, to, to see that you've made decisions to obey God. You've made decisions to, to listen to your teachers, to obey your parents. And uh, that's a big thing. That's a huge thing. And that's the thing that I've been praying for for a long time. I'll continue to pray for that, and I thank God just to see you knowing how to sit and behave in church. That's such a blessing. Praise God for your parents. Praise God for you. Uh, saw Patty here earlier, and then just amazing to see the family back, so praise God for that. Good to, good to see you all. All right, so in our Christmas story time, uh, in our season of Christmas, thinking about some of the things we read in the Bible and how that should lead us to pray. Uh, think about the, the, the story of Christ's birth. There are some, some awesome prayers that come in that story. Um, the first one we saw in Luke chapter uh, 1 is, is Mary and her giving praise to God after she hears this news. And I think about that prayer, and I've circled in my Bible what I believe her focus is. Um, Sometimes you hear somebody get excited about something, and they say they're filled with the Holy Spirit, which, which Mary was. The same thing for Zechariah when he gave his praise uh, later on in chapter 1 as well. But look at Mary's focus as she talks about what God has be, been doing. <clears throat> she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And that's simple, right? She's saying, I just want to praise God. I'm so filled with praise. I want to praise God. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You know what she's not saying? I'm so happy about what I got for Christmas. I'm so happy about what we're doing this weekend and where we're going and we're going to see the lights and we're going to the this and going to that. Some of those things are good and fun things, but she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She had a relationship with God that she, um, she walked with God, and it comes out in her praise and in her prayer. 
for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but in that one statement, you see the word humble shows what kind of attitude she had about herself. Humble means you're not all about you. Natural is natural for us to think about ourselves, right? We don't even have to be told to think about ourselves. We do that naturally. And that's not always a bad thing. But as we grow, we learn to think about others, too. And so she used the word humble. She, and she called herself the servant of God. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She called herself a servant. And so she had an attitude that looked on others, that focused on God, and not just herself, but on others. Um, if you do like I did in my Bible, I circled all the he's that she said. Every time she said he, most times she said he, she was referring to, to God. This is Mary praying. She's excited about what God told her. And she prays and thanks God. And she says this about God, then something else about God, then something else about God. Her whole prayer is not me, 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 me. It's about God. She has learned to praise and worship God. I'm, I know I'm talking to our children, but I can tell you all a secret. Some of us as adults need to learn how to do that. We need to learn to get the focus off of ourselves and put it on God. Um, <laughs> I was listening to a guy who wrote a lot of praise songs and praise music. And they were interviewing him. And they were asking him, what is he trying to do with his music? And he said, well, I'm trying to worship God. And he said, that's why I call this album Kurt Franklin album. I'm like, what? I thought you were trying to worship God. He didn't even stumble over what he was saying. He was supposed to be all about God. The first thing he mentioned is himself. Then on the way to church on Sunday, I, I, I have, a, um, what do you call that, that radio? Um, satellite radio. And he has his own station. It's supposed to be gospel music, right? I'm like, if it's really gospel music, why has it got to have your name on it? Why does your station have to say your name? Because it's all about you. It's all about him. And he's an adult. And supposedly in Christian ministry. So we can see that Mary's attitude is not, the, not always the one that's reflected. Um, that it's not always the attitude that people actually have or adults or even children actually have. But it should be. When God um, touches our heart, he opens our eyes so that life is more than just about me. It becomes about God. He becomes the focus. <clears throat> not me, 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 me. It's not that um, we don't think of ourselves. We naturally think of ourselves. And in fact, God wants us to think about ourselves and our good. It's for our good to obey God. It's for our good to trust in him. But when we do that, we begin to praise God for what he has done. So let me, let me end this real quickly. We've been talking to you a lot about Christmas, and we always say Christmas is not just about what you're going to get and the fun that you have. It's about Jesus and him coming to earth. That's true. But I want you to notice, too, God did it so that you would be blessed. 
so that you would have something to praise God for, so that you would be enjoying life. He brought his son to earth to pay for your sins so that you and I could live eternally forever with him. So it is for our good. That's how good God is. But when we think about it and we enjoy it, it makes us so thankful to God. We want to praise him. We want to give him worship. We want to give him all the attention and give him all the praise. Good evening, saints. I guess we left the uh, other stand on the other side. <laughs> we dealing with this one here. This one is more temperamental. <clears throat> We've been meditating through the Gospel of John, and we're getting towards the end. Basically got three or four more weeks, and we'll be done with the Gospel of John. We saw last time that Jesus was delivered to Pilate to be crucified. And when he was delivered to Pilate, the Jews made lots of accusations against Jesus that they couldn't back up. And who do we mean when we say the Jews? What we mean are the religious leaders, right? And so the religious leaders made a lot of false accusations against Jesus. And Pilate, who was the governor over the region, they were asking him to crucify Jesus. But Pilate couldn't find a good reason to do it. And so we're to the point where now they have convinced Pilate to crucify Jesus. Because of political pressure, he's doing it. And so we'll continue in the second half of verse 16 of chapter 19. So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him with two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on a cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic and Latin and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write, king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister. Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and a disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to, be, to his home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
since it was a day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they may be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in a linen cloth with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. We read this part. And as you read through, I guess what we could say is this as it is written. As it is written. Now, the first as it is written is an odd one, right? Because they see this sign and it says, King of the Jews. say change that sign Pilate is like nope you guys forced enough stuff onto me I'm forcing on something onto you that you ain't gonna like and he kept the sign there but it was written that he was king of the Jews and then they took his clothes because when you got crucified on a cross you didn't have any clothes on you were absolutely naked and as he was crucified they took his clothes and divided them also. They didn't want to tear one part of his clothes. And so they gambled for it. And it fulfilled the scripture because what did the scripture say? They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. They didn't break his bones. Because you're not supposed to break the bones of the Sabbath, the Passover lamb. But they did pierce his side. The scripture says, not one of his bones will be broken. And again, they will look on him whom they have pierced. Now that scripture is not just fulfilled here. It will be fulfilled in the future. It said Jesus will return and they will look on him whom they have pierced. And then... It doesn't list the scripture at the end, but the scripture talks about how he lived with the poor, but he was buried amongst the rich. So this is also a fulfillment of scripture. So the first thing we see is, as it is written, everything is tragic. Everything that happens is sad. It's sad to see Jesus on the cross. It's sad to see Jesus dying. It's sad to see him giving up his last breath. But he said, it is finished. And what was finished? 
there's a lot of people who say things like Jesus went to hell after he died. But that's not quite true. And there's two reasons that we know it's not true. One is when he talked to one of the thieves in the gospels talked about this. He told one of them, today you must be with me in paradise. Right? But here he says, it is finished. And when he's saying it is finished, what is he saying? He's saying, I paid for the sins of those who I am going to save. It's finished. I paid for it. I'm done. The agony was over. He had achieved victory over sin. Three days later, he would achieve victory over death itself. And that's the power of the cross. That's why we talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Because each part talks about something that Jesus' ministry did. In his death, he paid for all of our sins. But in his life, he gave promise of a future that we might also have. So we look forward to his resurrection. It's like we look forward to chapter 20, one day reading that and saying, man, Christ, one day we will resurrect like you resurrected. That's ultimately why we get baptized. We get baptized to represent Jesus' death, to represent his burial, and represent his resurrection. That we die with Jesus and that we rise with him. Then I want to note one last thing. It says he saw his mother and he saw his best friend and he took care of his mother. How did he take care of his mother? He took care of his mother by assigning his friend to take care of her. Here's the thing about ministry. We can never think that ministry is so important that we neglect the relationships that God has given us. Imagine they used to do this in Jesus' day. Imagine that you said, well, you know, I got to give this tithe to the Lord so I can't take care of my mother-in-law. How convenient of you to be that whole. Jesus on the cross, suffering in agony, still took care of his mother. We got relationships that we have to take care of. One of the first things we got to do with our mission guys when they get back on their feet, if they got family, they need to take care of those families. They need to take care of any children they got. You children, you need to repay your parents with thanks. You don't have to rebuy them stuff. I never really understood the idea of, you know, you get rich and now you give all your money to your parents. They almost gone. Right? My kids get rich, y'all keep that money. Y'all get richer for the grandkids, okay? But what you should do is repay it with some thanks. Be thankful. Be thankful. You got relationships on this world, God has given you. One of them is your family. The other one is your church. Don't neglect those relationships because those relationships are something that God has given us. And even when you're dying, <laughs> those relationships are going to be important too. Amen? And 
even though Jesus is paying for all of our sins, he did not neglect his family. And he had every reason to neglect his family. Because he could say, that's not my real family. I got a father. He's in heaven. I really don't have a mother. I wasn't born like that. I existed before the world began. I am God. Nobody generated me. He didn't do that. Because in a sense, you could say, even though he was adopted into that family, that's the relationship that God gave him. He took, took care of his mother. So I think sometimes we can get so holy that we can forget that we do have those relationships. Let's not forget that, amen? Church is our family.